Welcome back, fight fans, to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana, joined as always by my partner, Dan Urban. And as we've done for the past few Fridays, Dan and I have a great guest joining us. You may not know his name, but if you listen to a podcast dedicated to mixed martial arts judging, then you almost certainly know Chris McMaster's contribution to the MMA landscape as the founder of MMADecisions.com. The site really is an incredible tool that Scott and I use constantly as a reference for this show, so we're thrilled that Chris agreed to make a rare podcast appearance with us. We'll pick his brain about the origins of MMA decisions and what he might have in store for the future of the site. Plus, we'll look ahead to the weekend's fights at UFC Apex when Anthony Smith takes on Alexander Rakic. Well, as usual, when we welcome a guest, we kind of just dive right in, right? So again... Our guest today is Chris McMaster, who's a computer programmer and the one-man team behind MMA Decisions. If you're not familiar, Chris's site is one of the most indispensable tools out there for anyone curious about judging in the sport, with databases of scores from decisions going back decades. And I believe MMA Decisions actually just turned 10 years old. Is that right, Chris? That's absolutely right. 10 days as of, or sorry, 10 years as of this month, exactly. Right on. So... Did you imagine the site would become such a useful resource for the MMA community when you launched it? Absolutely not. Uh, when I started, it was just a pet project to sort of uh, bone up on my programming skills in, in an area of interest to me. Because when you, when you want to learn something, uh, programming technique or whatever, the best thing I've found out is to pick a topic you're interested in. I've been at the time and still to this day, I love MMA, so I use that as a it's a way of developing my program skills and had no concept whatsoever that this would even go live, never mind be, be somewhat useful, useful and popular. And I mean, the, the, the success it's had is, uh, is, uh, is very surprising. It's a great tool. Uh, how did you get into the sport of MMA? Well, uh, way back when, I guess, in, in university, I think it was, it was towards the tail end, I, I guess the first exposure to it was when I mean, this was back in the day when you would get videotapes from a rental store, and uh, my friend brought back a rental tape. It wasn't even UFC at the time. It was, it was, I think it was called WCC, WCC or something like that. It was a Henzo Gracie event where he was okay. in the early days, and uh, he got it from the local convenience store and brought it back for us to watch. And it was, it just elicited these visceral feelings, and I was kind of, I was somebody, I was into sports uh, up. At that point in time, so it wasn't that wasn't too much of a departure from what I was into, but uh, yeah, it really it really struck a nerve, and from from there, I, I you know I got my hands on every uh, UFC or MMA videotape I could get on. Um, that was the start of things. Are you a big uh, George St. Pierre guy? Oh yeah, yeah. As uh, that was yeah, he he was one of my favorites in the early days, um, and I even I I made the trek out to Montreal for his his big win against uh, Matt Serra. That was an amazing trip, um, and yeah, I, these days I'm more more neutral as far as it comes to uh, you know having favorites or not. But but boy, back in the early TSP days, I was I was a big fan for sure. Right on. So you touched a little bit upon the idea for MMA decisions, but how did it really come about? Did you have interest in judging and the decisions of fights? It was something that kind of evolved over time. Um, early on, when I was playing around with the code for this. Um, putting out some basic code that had basic information about a, uh, the fights was fairly simple to do. So I wanted to challenge myself and a little bit more and finding a way to design and, and, and display 
judging results was a little bit more tricky. And so I went down that path. Um, and as I was doing it, I realized that hmm, it doesn't look like anybody else out there has this, this sort of information. And at the same time, way back then, the, the, the concept of judging decisions, it was really this nebulous thing where, you know, it just people just sort of these mysterious judges kind of went away and they came back with a decision and there was no accountability and there was no scores and you couldn't look up their names. And it was just this kind of mysterious result. And so eventually, as I was doing the code for this and putting it out there, I realized, wait a second, this is not just going to be useful from a, a personal standpoint, but this could really have some value to the whole MMA community, you know, uh, revealing the results to everybody, uh, in a sense, holding judges accountable for the scores that they've made. And as a result, kind of improving the state of judges judging in MMA uh, altogether. Now, what was this like in the early days? It wasn't pretty. <laughs> um, it was it was pretty pretty basic, and I think in the early days it was just the the judges' scores, maybe even just the judges' totals, maybe not even the round scores. But there was no there was no media scores, there was no fan scoring. It was just it was just very basic, and uh, you know it was all I could do just to get something out there. So it, there were no bells and whistles back then. So how has it evolved, kind of over the last decade? You know, from there I, I can't remember which was next, but I think it was probably the 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 media score is just because programmatically it was a little bit easier to do. Um, and then once, once the site got a little bit of traction, that in turn gave me a little bit of momentum and motivation to keep going. So I would add the media score section and from there, the, the fan scoring section, which, which was a little bit more tricky. Um, and it just, for, for each little bit of traffic that I would get additionally from before that would just kind of motivate me to do a little bit more work. And it's, it's kind of evolved slowly the way, to the point where you see it today. So how does it work on fight nights, you know, setting up the scores? Because, you know, you're basically a one-man show, right? You know, do do the commissioners or promotions, um, do they ever work with you to provide this information about how fights are scored or do you have to track it down all on your own? Yeah, in the in the early days, I did, ha- I had to do a lot of tracking down. Like, I mean, it was, um, I'd reach out to, yeah, at a certain point, media weren't even providing scores and maybe they didn't have it available to them. So, um, I was doing a lot of Googling. Um, at a certain point, you know, judges got involved. Uh, Mark Ratner would contact me. He would provide me scores that, um, that I had missed. Uh, so there was a lot more legwork back then. I mean, even in the early days, it was, I was, <laughs> I, I would be watching the fights. I wouldn't even be watching the fights sometimes. I'd be watching the people on the side, sitting in the judges' chairs, <laughs> making notes of what they were wearing and trying to use deductive reasoning to, to tie outfits and looks to a particular judge's name based on who was announced as a judge earlier in the night. Like it was, I was doing a lot of, I mean, it seems silly now, but that's what I was doing in the early days, trying to figure out who judges were particular fights. That, that's oh, funny. Wow. That's funny. Yeah. Thankfully now there's, you know, media presents, uh, exposes all the scorecards and even the UFC is showing all the scorecards now. So um, th- thankfully there's a lot less work involved in tracking things down. So has that improved your uh, ability to be a fan and enjoy the fights more? But yeah, it sounds like you have to monitor a lot on every fight night. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Uh, it's I can I can enjoy the fights more, and and I think that helps with my longevity in this too. So it's, it feels less of a job now and more of just something I kind of casually do as I'm watching and enjoying the fights. Whereas before, at a certain point, it was starting starting to become a, a bit of a burden. Um, and I've also made changes to the site now where. You know, in the early days when people would tweet me their scores, I would have to go in one by one and copy and paste their scores into the side and double check them. And same with play by play scores from websites. And now I've built up a little bit of a code that does some things semi automatically now. So that saves me a lot of time now. So, yeah, it's a much 
much more relaxed, pleasurable experience to to watch the fights now on fight night. So what kind of uh, feedback have you gotten from fans, fighters, and judges over the years? Uh, yeah, I get lately, the, I've, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from judges. Uh, I'm in touch with uh, quite a few of them on a regular basis. They they reach out to me for to, to provide scores I may have missed, particularly for uh, non-UFC events that might be harder to find. Um, and I'm told, you know, all the judges use the site as a, as a, as a resource. So that's, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. We uh, hear that as well. Yeah. So that's, that's nice. Um, and yeah, I, I get a lot of feedback from, from, uh, from people on Twitter, so on and so forth, but yeah, it's, it, it keeps me going. So how, how, how should, uh, people interpret the media scores or the fan scorecards versus judges scorecards? Uh, well, they should, the way I kind of always say is they, they should they should sort of take them all with a grain of salt and, and use each one as kind of a, a, a piece of a bigger picture. No, no one perspective, I think, is is the be all and send and, and says all. But the uh, yeah, one thing to keep in mind is that the, the, the media scores generally and the fan scores are all watching the fight from the same perspective. And so, you know, and there's a lot more of them, too. So it's the judges have a much more difficult job because they're not, you know, they're not uh checking their Twitter feed throughout the course of a fight, kind of coming to a consensus. They're off in their own little bubble. Uh, they have a particular perspective. They don't have the same great camera angles necessarily that everybody else does. So, uh, so yeah, I, I sort of treat, treat all those, the, the judges, the fans and, and the media kind of as three separate perspectives and, and it's, it's all input to everybody and, and hopefully they can use those inputs to come up with their, their own conclusions. You and I initially co- connected when I was interested in contributing my scores to MMA decisions, you know, and I don't know if I mentioned it then, but I was actually prompted by a prominent judge who encouraged me uh, to contribute because he knew that I had a good understanding of the criteria and how they apply it. So my question though is, have you personally read the ABC criteria yourself, especially the updated criteria? Uh, I, I have, it's been a while and I, I, so I'm a little rusty on it and I, I kind of purposely, um, Maybe not purposely, maybe lazily. I haven't read it in detail lately because I don't. Mm. I generally don't watch the fights to score the fights. Okay. Um, I, I know. I kind of learned early on. Like one of my original plans was, okay, I'm going to become an expert on this and and score each fight, you know, with a close eye to detail, following the criteria. And then I realized that that's that's a lot of work. You know, that's you know, you really have to pay attention closely at what's going on, and you can't take any breaks, and you can't you know look at your Twitter feed or whatever. And, and so at a certain point, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air. I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to leave that to the experts. I'll leave that to, the, to all, well, the pundits and I'll just kind of more casually watch the fights and, and, you know, take a little bit of the pressure off and just kind of enjoy it from my own perspective. Well, that makes sense, especially if you have to manage all the other stuff that's going on with the website. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even, especially back in the, in the earlier days where, you know, a lot of the follow from one fight, it would take a lot of effort to put in all the data and, respond to everything and the next thing you know i'm halfway into the next fight so you know it was it was easy to get it was easy easy to fall behind back in those days you know i was looking around <laughs> mma decisions earlier today and i was trying to find if there was a link on your site to the abc criteria you know because it's obviously it's a pdf on the abc's website i was having trouble finding anything is there anywhere on your site that kind of points visitors to the criteria so they can try to read it and educate themselves and learn no but that is a great and fundamental idea that I should have dealt with a long time ago. That's um, right. yeah. yeah, that's going, that's going right on my to-do list. Yeah. That, that is the kind of thing that I should, 
to do uh, and can do quite easily. I like that. I like that because, you know, our goal with our show, The Couchside Judges, is we're trying to kind of help educate uh, people sitting at home, especially people who like to, you know, put their scores up there, whether they're media or whether they're fans, you know. I think if uh, our feeling, at least, is that there's kind of a knowledge gap between the judges who do this professionally and have trained for years and then the people who sit at home and like you said, kind of on their phone doing Twitter here and there, maybe they miss things. So what we're trying to do is kind of bridge that gap. So I, I like to hear that you're interested in putting that on. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, I honestly, it seems like that's getting a little bit of traction lately in, in the, in the public. I see a lot more reference to it in the, in the Twitter world. So I think people are finally catching on. And if you watch Bellator, you know, uh, John McCarthy does a great job of sort of analyzing the fights from a judge's perspective. And he does. And hopefully that'll catch on a little bit more with some of the US UFC analysts. But, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, I would agree. Are there any other uh, changes or additions you have in the works for the site? Um, what I would like to do, it's, and everything's kind of a slow process un- unless I can, you know, find, find a partner in crime to help me out with here. But, you know, first things first, I, I need to make the site more mobile friendly and, and do some kind of, less glamorous changes to the site. But, you know, once I get that beyond that, um, it would be nice in a perfect world to to come up with some sort of login system where either, you know, anybody can log into the site and see a history of their judges, of their, their scorecards and review them and change them if they want. Maybe come up with metrics that sort of says, okay, this is, this is a judge you agree with most often. This is a judge you least agree with most often. Um, so some sort of login system where, where you know, maybe even for the media too, that would take some pressure off me if some people wanted to put their own scores in. Um, so that, that would be the ultimate goal. Yeah, that sounds pretty yeah. awesome, actually. It does. It does. It's, it's kind of like, a, you know, who's your, who's your candidate or, or, uh, or, or which Disney princess are you? Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Might not be quite as glamorous as that, but yeah, it's the same thing. No, no, no. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Sal Diamato is not as glorious as uh, Ariel from Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah. But, or, you know, maybe we could make it, you know, which which MMA judge and, and, and assign them to a particular Disney character, too. That uh, yeah, there you go. Now. <laughs> well, now you're infringing on Disney's copyright. So you got to be careful. There. All right. Well, just, we're, just, we're just talking. <laughs> of course. Of course. Don't don't come at us, Disney. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, of course, you know, this site, it's a side project for you. You know, you're a you're a computer programmer. Uh, by day. Um, but we did have a few ideas that we wanted to throw at you uh, and see what you thought of them. You know, one of them actually was mobile that you mentioned, you know, because uh, I believe it was Dan was saying, you know, he really wants a mobile version, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Sometimes I log in and I'm like, oh, an optimization would be pretty cool for this or maybe even an app one day. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the, the direction that I've been moving in lately and I'm kind of, I'm to the fork in the, mo- in, fork in the road right now where it's it's like, well, you could, but because this web programming is, isn't something I do with my day job is I'm, I figure it all out as I go along. And so it, it makes it a bit of a, an arduous process sometimes. So I'm, anyway, regarding mobile, I'm kind of in the fork in the road where I kind of know what I want to do. I want to make it a responsive design where it looks one way on your desktop, looks another way on your meet on your mobile device, but basically it's the same site. Um, and I'm kind of, I kind of know what needs to be done and, and I'm, I'm, um, I think I might just bite the bullet and, and hire somebody to do it at this point because, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of work and uh, my time is limited these days. Now, you don't have to go into detail or anything like that, but I'm just curious, is the site profitable for you? Do you make some money on the side with it? Uh, t- 
Te technically, yes, it's very, very, yeah, it's it's enough to to pay the the hosting fees and and a, a nominal amount beyond that. So you know, so I think part and parcel with making it a, a mobile site, I think it might make the uh, the ads on it a little bit more lucrative. You know, I, mean, I won't be quitting my day job anytime soon, but you sure. know, every little bit helps, I guess. But yeah, well, actually, to get back to some of the ideas we wanted to throw at you, here's a couple. Uh, one of which is about kind of tracking the way media members score fights so that like, obviously I can click on, you know, Eric Cologne and I can see all he's done, but you can't click on Scott Fontana and find out how dumb I am compared to my media peers, you know? Yeah. Uh, anything like that and uh, would be an interesting idea to you or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've thought about that. And I've, um, you know, regarding media, I, 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 I thought regarding judges scores, I, you know, that's already out there. So it wouldn't really take that much effort to put it out there for everybody else. Um, in the back of my mind, I was thinking that would sort of come along with a login system where if, you know, you, Scott, were to log into the website, you would be able to see all your scores in, in, a, in, a, in a single place. Um, maybe exposing that to everybody might be, might be a good thing or it might be a bad thing. Maybe, maybe Joe Blow's out there going to look at your scores and he's going to bring up your page and, and use that to criticize you. and, and uh, sing I, I hope he does. I hope he does. I should be held accountable. I mean, we hold everybody else accountable. So I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if everybody's okay with that, I would be too. So yeah. 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 I, I like that idea. What about uh, kind of individual rounds? You know, you, you currently track when a judge is dissented from the winner of the fight, but not necessarily from an individual round. Is that, I mean, that's obviously a big undertaking, but is that something that's crossed your mind? Yeah. Um, I thought about it from the perspective of coming up with, um, you know, metrics that kind of show a measure of how often they dissent from everybody else and, and doing that at a res around by round basis. Because as you know, if you look at a, you know, 229, 28 scorecards can be very different. They can be achieved in very different ways. And so they can sometimes mask really poor round scorecards. And so um, if you're just looking at those totals and just measuring people based on the, those, those totals, then that's, that's really a, just a small part of the picture. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what we were thinking too. And, you know, kind of on a similar note, uh, what about fights that don't go the distance? You know, there's a fight, let's say Aldo against uh, Peter Yan from back in uh, fight Island, you know, that went four rounds. They scored four rounds, but we'll never, not, we'll never know, but they're not available on MMA decisions. That's something you've considered doing too. Yeah. That, that one is, that one's definitely on the to-do list. Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, there's, there's just some, one of those things and, it's a little bit easier said than done. There's a little, there's some nuances in how it would need to be coded differently and presented differently on the website. Um, and I just kind of put that off to the side while I'm, I'm working on some other, other things. So it's, that one's definitely on the list. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. Now, Chris, have you noticed any changes in the consistency of judging, you know, since the criteria has kind of been clarified in 2017, you know, especially when it comes to 10, eight rounds? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish I had a fancy metric to, to, to prove that to you. So this is just kind of my own anecdotal evidence, but yeah, it, I think we're, we're beyond for the most part, the days of, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of crazy decisions, you know, not too long ago. Like there was, let's say there was the era of Leonard Garcia. Uh, there was the era of uh, some crazy Diego Sanchez scorecards and, and definitely two fighters that come to mind. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are, those are some classics and uh, you don't, of course you, you get, decisions you you know i put together a top 10 list of disputed decisions every year and there's you, you know there's enough to meet that criteria for that list but there's very rarely are there are there uh, some crazy ones on that list and oftentimes when there are it involves judges that may not be the ones that the ufc uses the most so you know uh this, I, 
I don't have it on me, but you know, there were some stats about Sal D'Amato and Derek Clearly, Clearly, who are the most the busiest judges in the UFC. And and yet, so you'd think they would be sprinkled throughout these top 10 lists of most disputed decisions, just based on the sheer quantity of the, the scorecards that they present. But, but no, they're, they're just kind of on there sparingly as much as anybody else. So I think uh, that sort of speaks to, to a lot of the consistency, the, the improvement in the judges themselves, and, 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 and most likely the improvements to the judging criteria too. Like the, I re, I was really happy with the 10, eight, change that they made making it more liberal that was something i kind of clamored about for years um and sort of i think they kind of de-emphasize things like you know octagon control and, and and more focus more on you know effective striking effective grappling and so i think clarifying that sort of thing was was a big improvement too and i, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of improvement there you touch upon the octagon control aspect too which obviously for a long time you know we heard goldie at the beginning of ufc events saying you know they're measuring our effective striping grappling aggression and octagon control and it was always framed as like these were all kind of one thing but now as you know it's now being considered effective striking and grappling on one tier the second tier is aggression and then it's octagon control and just anecdotally talking with judges they almost never go past effective striking and grappling, but it's one of those things that seems so unclear to people. So it, it, it definitely seems good, but there's a lot of people who don't seem to understand that. So yeah, yeah it, it's, I, I've always here, here's the way I've always tried to explain it to people in what trying to explain why it makes no sense. Because if you are using your octagon control and you know, you aren't using your octagon control, to deliver effective striking and you're not using your octagon control to deliver effective grappling, then what are you using it for? So, so in my mind, you can just toss it out the window. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's been moved so far down the priority list that I think it's effectively kind of a non-issue right now. Do you think that the fan scores real quick, this is the last question I think I have for you, but do you have any idea of like, have fans submissions gotten any more educated or are they still just kind of mad and toss out, you know, 10, seven rounds everywhere? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if, we, you know, I don't know if we, we, we can ever rely on those real well. I think a lot of fans uh, judge with their heart more than their brain. Uh, not not all the time, of course, but it's just, you know, there's there's a bias there. Mm-hmm. And the on my side, at least, the, the way that I sort of explain the bias is if you watch a close fight as a fan and you think your guy won the close decision, you're going to be far less likely to go out on the internet and find supporting evidence that you were right. So you're going to be far less likely to submit your score on my website. So therefore that's going to skew the numbers a little bit in favor of the, the, the fighter who was on the losing end of things. That's, that's my theory at least. And I think it's, I think it's a decent one. It sounds sound to me before we go though, is there anything else you wanted to promote regarding MMA decisions? Um, well, here's one thing. Um, if nothing else, uh, every, I think I touched on it earlier. Every year I present the top 10 most disputed decisions of the year. And it's uh, it uses a combination of the metrics between the media scores and the fan scores on our website. And it kind of, it's, it's not, you know, I'm careful not to say that these are the worst decisions in, of the year. These are not necessarily implying that the judges are doing a poor job. It's just kind of a fun way to look at what decisions most people disagree with. Um, and if you like, if I, if I can give you, I can tell you that six decisions so far have qualified for the list. Okay. So I'll give you that list. And, and by the way, I think that's a small number for being this far in the year. So I think that's more evidence that things are, are not too crazy. But so we've got uh, 
Claudia Gedalia and Angela Hill. Uh, we've got uh, Paiva and Zuma Gulov. Oh, yeah. We've got Selikov and Zaleski Dos Santos. Uh, we've got Andre Yule and Jonathan Martinez. Danny Gay and Edson Barbosa. That was a big one. That was a big one, yeah. And uh, Lauren Murphy and Andrea Lee. Okay, yeah. And that was not that was not as much of a barn burner for everybody, but that was definitely contested. It was very it was very highly contested. And um, and what's neat about this list, at least, I always look for you know trends or commonalities or whatever. But so those are six fights, and those six fights came from three different events. So three events had two events each on the, this list, and the rest of the events throughout the entire year don't have any qualifying fights. Interesting. So there you go. That's my that's my only last little thing to plug. Right on. Well, anyone uh, anyone who needs to know how to find your website, it's MMADecisions.com. Uh, and you can follow Chris's site at, what, what's the handle? MMADecisions. There you go. So, Chris, thank you very much for stopping by and talking with us. I'm, I'm Dan. Uh, you know, we, we really appreciate that you stopped by. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, Scott. Well, Scott, I, for one, am happy that mobile optimization is on the to-do list. Yeah, I was really loving some of the ideas uh, that he was talking about. He he liked some of our ideas as well, which was was great. You know, he does a great job with this site, and and the fact that it's not his main priority in his life, I completely understand it. But I mean, it's so indispensable. How can you how can you hate it? it it's it's wonderful that we use this all the time. So you know, as a lot of people kind of that we've spoken to since we started the show will say. Thanks to Chris McMaster for what he does. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate him giving us his time. Yeah, it's a absolutely awesome tool. If you're not using it, please go into it. I, I don't know why you would even listen to our podcast if you don't care about MMADecisions.com. This is, we're kind of one in the same. But, uh, but, you know, let's move on, though. We've got some UFC action to talk about this coming weekend. It's the eighth fight night that has taken place at UFC Apex since... This whole pandemic started in the main event here. It's a three-round main event between Anthony Lionheart-Smith and Alexander Rakic at light heavyweight. This was originally supposed to be not the main event. The main event was supposed to be Zabit Magomed Sharipov against Yair Rodriguez at featherweight, but El Pantera got hurt. So here we are. We only have a three-round main event. What do you think of this fight, Dan? Yeah, it's an interesting fight. Anthony Smith is coming off a total beatdown loss to go over to Shara. And Alexander Rocket just coming off a close split decision loss to uh, Ozdemir. Yeah, Volkan Ozdemir. That was a close fight. Yeah, that was a close fight. I, I think Ozdemir won it, but uh, interesting matchup here. I didn't get to watch that one back this week, but I remember uh, thinking that Rocket actually had won. Yeah, it, it it was a close fight. But uh, this Saturday, the one thing that jumps out to me is Anthony Smith is such a big underdog. Huge underdog. The, the line on this is absolutely absurd. What is it? Is he... Plus two thirty five. That was the last I saw. Yeah, it's it's in that ballpark. It's it's that's insane. Huge. He it should be. Look, if you want to call him the underdog here, I'm not gonna say anything about that because Rockage is is a great prospect in the sport who's probably ready to explode. But I mean, Smith, he really did look good even before he got tired against Glover Teixeira. He was winning the fight and all of a sudden just kind of lost steam. And Teixeira obviously kind of beat the tooth out of him. <laughs> he did. He lost a tooth. He did, but you know, I I think I think he's still able to bounce back strong here. Uh, I think it goes the distance, and I think, despite the fact that Smith has endurance issues, and this isn't new, I think he'll probably be able to get a decision here. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I think this definitely goes the distance, and I think Smith's gonna take it. Okay, so we're united here. We'll we'll see how it goes. You can't count Rockich. Obviously, he's a big favorite here. He's a beast, but 
yeah, I, I'm not ready to to write off Smith as a an elite 205. Right? He just uh, fought for a just, title not too long ago, so yeah, I I think he's I think he'll bounce back okay here. You know, the judges for this one, we don't know who's assigned to this main event. This only again three round, uh, but I you have to think it's going to be the same top judges that we've been accustomed to for months now. You know, man, they had a tough one last week uh, with with Edgar Munoz. That was a really close one, but I still think they did a really good job with it, even if we disagreed. Perfectly scored, I think. Everything was acceptable. What about some of the other fights on the card? Is there anything that you're really looking forward to? I mean, I think we can be united in this, and that we're we're both excited to see Robbie Lawler taking on Neil Magny. Most definitely, uh, Robbie Lawler is appointment viewing. Even though he lost three straight, it's still it's Robbie Lawler, and it's a great fight, almost guaranteed. And Magny's coming in with a head of steam too. Magny has some good wins uh, coming into this one. And like you always point out, normally they don't match up losses versus wins, but I think Lawler's kind of a uh, different animal when it comes to that. Well, that's usually, you know, it kind of depends on where they're at. Yeah, someone like Lawler, he is, and also he's coming into this fight on late notice, so it's a little bit different. Jeff Neal? Was it supposed to be Jeff Neal versus Neal Magny? Yeah, it was supposed to be Jeff Neal. And Jeff Neal, obviously, he, he was ended up, he ended up in the hospital. He had... Some, I don't know the details exactly, but yeah, he apparently he was in a very scary situation, and obviously the fight didn't come together. You know, sending all the best to Jeff Neal down in Texas. Yeah, hopefully all's, all's well. But uh, another thing I want to point out is Hannah Cyphers is somehow still on the roster and is uh, fighting this Saturday as well. I'll be nice to Hannah Cyphers. She's a <laughs> tough girl. She's tough, but I mean, God, she t- takes a beating every time she goes out. She doesn't really take a beating so much as she kind of just gets taken down and either submitted or ground and pounded from the mount or something like that but you know what this is an entirely reasonable matchup for her against mallory martin you know a lot of the fights she was taking against very bad matchups and you know this one could prove to be the same way but i don't think it's i would call this probably the most winnable fight that she's had in 2020 well actually for me though you know you didn't even mention this the fight that i really do want to see other than of course lawler in the main event is magomed Ankalaev and iwan Kutelaba running it back they're going to finally get to fight again. Yes. Yeah, this one, uh, for those who don't remember, this fight happened in February, and it had a bizarre situation where Kutilaba walked all the way across the cage and got in Ankalaev's face before he was sent back to his corner. Uh, it kind of started off on the wrong foot there, and then as the fight went on, Ankalaev looked like he was getting the upper hand. Kutelaba maybe looked like he was kind of taking a beating, but also at the same time could have been playing possum. It's hard to say. And the fight ended up being kind of stopped earlier than than I think you and I thought it should have been. It, it wasn't my favorite stoppage out there. Hopefully this one will be more definitive. Well, if he was playing possum, it's a stupid strategy. It is a stupid strategy. Don't don't do it this time, Iwan. You can't do that. But I, and I honestly, I still think Ankalaev is going to take this. I don't know that this is a fight that's actually going to produce a different result. As, as hard as Kutelaba hits, Ankalaev was teeing off. So I can imagine it being very similar. And you know what that sound means, fight fans. Time to wrap up another episode of the Couchside Judges. Thanks again to our guest, Chris McMaster, for taking the time to join us. Dan and I will return to your eardrums on Monday to talk about the judging at UFC Apex. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana, and my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter as well at Dan Urban MMA. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thanks to all of you for listening in, and enjoy Saturday's fights. Later, guys. Later, guys.